Good morning. First Timothy chapter four is where we'll be at today. First Timothy chapter four, a somewhat simple passage as far as its meaning, um, which if you've been with us uh, through our, uh, this is our 16th sermon in the book of First Timothy. If you've been with us, um, I can assure you as your pastor, I'm, I'm happy for an easier text. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but the implications and the application are um, of great importance. Uh, if you have grown up in the church, um, last week was a challenge to you. Uh, the idea of freedom in Christ. Um, maybe you had never heard of that before. Maybe you had never, you had probably heard the concept, but had not actually walked that out in reference to what we discussed last week, um, and so it might have been a challenge to you, um, and uh, I know it was because we had some people come up and tell me that, <laughs> uh, uh, but this week, if you grew up in the church, uh, this week is very familiar to you. Uh, you've heard it a thousand times, and it is extremely unlikely, uh, not only in this text, but probably extremely unlikely in any text I ever preached to you, that I will tell you something new. Uh, in fact, uh, I get a little worried when uh, I discover something new in the Bible that no one else has ever discovered before. It generally means it's heretical, uh, but moving right along. Um, this will not be a new teaching per se, but I do want to um, emphasize some things and remind us of some things. So Paul, as you well know, is writing to his young protege in uh, Ephesus, the young pastor Timothy, uh, who has dealt with many a uh, heretical teaching uh, in the church at Ephesus. He's battling all kinds of false teachers and false um, doctrines, uh, battling uh, the city of Ephesus and its uh, great um, wealth and its pull upon, no doubt, his people, reminding you that these people are believers long before we had discipleship training classes. Uh, there are no conferences to go to. Uh, they don't have any of that stuff. So Paul knows that his young pastor uh, needs more instruction, knows that church needs more instruction, and so he spends the first three chapters dealing with some very difficult topics, uh, elders and deacons and women and in, uh, in some of those roles and some of the issues they were having with that. And so he walks through some very difficult teachings that we've walked through. And then last week, um, the idea of freedom in Christ. Uh, and then this week, um, the idea of putting some of that stuff into practice. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 6. This is the inspired word of God. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So Paul here 
tells Timothy to make sure you tell other believers about what I'm saying. No, now we need to understand the letter of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy is written to Timothy. I need you to make sure you understand that. When, when you read scripture, you need to understand who the original audience was. And the original audience of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy is Timothy. That's the audience. But, but it's, it's difficult to say that it's only meant for Timothy. And here's one example that we have is Paul tells Timothy, make sure you put forth the teaching I'm telling you to the rest of the people. It means that all the teaching up till now is clearly what he's talking about, and clearly he's talking about the first five, five verses of chapter 4. But he's definitely telling Timothy, do not keep this to yourself. You need to teach it, and you need to talk about it. The New English, the New English translation translates like this. Verse 6 five, says, by pointing out such things to the brothers and sisters. You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, having nourished yourself on the words of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. So Paul's instruction to Timothy is to know this stuff yourself. Know this doctrine. Understand this doctrine. Believe this doctrine. Live by it and walk it out and point it out to others. It's the goal of church. Often I get asked, what's the point of going to church? Here's why. We teach you the word of God. That's what we do here. That's the goal. And listen, what is the greatest need of you? To be taught the word of God. I say it week in and week out here. The whole world gets you all week long to tell you everything that you should live for and to tell you everything that your life should be about. And I get like 20 minutes. Okay, 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. <laughs> I get like 40 minutes to tell you that everything you've heard all week is wrong. Not because I say so, but because the Bible says it's wrong. If you're a believer, you're called to something different. And that is why we gather. That is why preachers should preach the word. Because Paul is telling Timothy, know the doctrine Believe the doctrine, accept the doctrine, and teach it to others. Nourish yourself with it, and then nourish others with it. And he goes on to say in verse 7, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Now we've discussed this in previous sermons in 1 Timothy, but there was some serious false doctrine being taught in the church in Ephesus. Paul spent a great time discussing that with Timothy. And he reminds Timothy again to have nothing to do with it. And even says, silly mess. And so, the second part of that verse is, what should you do instead? Paul says, Timothy, I'm glad you asked. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. Train. Training. Does that strike fear in anybody like it does me? <laughs> Somebody, hey, when you get together in the morning, train? What do you mean by train? <laughs> <laughs> Training invokes some picture of work, right? Yes. I teach for my company and I help 
train other people. Nobody is excited about coming to our classes that I teach. Like nobody wakes up on the counter and says, yes, I get to spend eight hours learning about directional microphones and the auditory system. Like nobody gets excited about that. Nobody truly enjoys, to some extent, training. But are you glad that those in the medical field have recurrent training? Yes. Like, aren't you, right before they put you to sleep and open you up, that someone says, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing it a long time, but I haven't been to classes in years. I don't know how to do this. But, I mean, that would make us nervous as we go out. Aren't you glad that everybody in the professional field, aren't you glad the pilot of your plane, I'm on a plane almost every week, I'm glad that the pilots go through training on the plane they're currently flying, right? Aren't you glad they're all like, I've never flown this one before, but it's got to be like, oh, what if you learn to ride a bike? I mean, no, I want them to know how to fly that plane. So we understand the idea of training. In fact, the, the Greek word translated train here actually comes from a verb form from which we get our English terms, gymnasium and gymnastics. So Paul pulls in this verse for Timothy an athletic metaphor. He, he paints the picture of an athlete, someone who trains and works and trains and works and trains and works to perform their athletic feat or sports. I've always been fascinated by the Olympics, not because I particularly love them, <laughs> because I don't, but I have always been particularly amazed about how long someone will train for one week or two weeks. Like, people go, I don't understand why those people get emotional when they don't win the goal, because they've been training for years <laughs> for that one moment, or to see someone fall in a skating event, or to see someone not make it, or to more... Even more sad to see someone injured before they get ready to do their event. They've been training for years, hours upon hours upon hours a day to perform a particular feat. And they're not able to perform it or they don't perform well in it. And so Paul, reminding Timothy of all he needs to be reminded of so far, he then tells him, don't be involved in all the silly myths, don't be involved in all the false doctrine. Know the truth, know the doctrine, live by the doctrine, be nourished by the doctrine, and train yourself for godliness. That's to a pastor. And not just a pastor, but a pastor. Like, I had great people influence me in the gospel ministry. One of them is our worship leader. Another one is a pastor uh, that he served for, that several of you in here attended church from. I had some great mentors, great people who said, here's the gospel, here's the teaching, here's what it looks like in your life. But I didn't have Paul. Like, like Paul did not train me. Timothy was trained by Paul. But just, I say it a lot here. I just want you to understand what it means to be an apostle. 
So if the Apostle Paul walks in today, I'm sitting down. Glad you're here, Paul. I'm teaching out of 1 Timothy 4. No! And, and Paul's not here to suggest how we do church. Like, like Paul becomes an elder here. We have a plurality of elders. Like, if we all get one vote, we don't vote. We, we wait for Paul to vote. And then we're like, I'm with Paul. I mean, Paul's not here to give us advice. He is here to tell us, here is how you do this. He's an apostle. Timothy, trained by Paul, is still told to continue training for godliness. So what's the implication for you and I? I mean, if Timothy still needs to be called to train for godliness, what does that mean for me? It means I should train myself for godliness. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you were here last week, you're like, wait a minute, Jason. Last week, you impassionately pleaded with us that Christ had finished the work. That it's not Jesus plus anything else, like what we were, like what Timothy was dealing with in Ephesus, that, that he's done it. Uh, we can rest in what he's done. We, we don't need anyone else to tell us, don't taste, don't touch, all these other things like in Colossians. Uh, Jesus accomplished it. We repent. We believe. We follow Christ. His work is complete. And I would say, yes. And everything else you've ever heard that tells you you need something else in addition to Jesus is disguised or thinly disguised, I would say. Legalism and, according to Paul, apostle, demonic teaching. I didn't say that. Paul did. And so now, today, we've come in here all relaxed and resting in the finished work of Christ. And you are going to tell us we have to go back to work. What gives? Well, uh, I have uh, had the opportunity to go to gyms before. What are you laughing at, Matt? <laughs> Wait till the next elder meeting. <laughs> so I've had the opportunity to go to gymnasiums. And do you realize that if you sit in a gym and like watch, you will lose no weight? <laughs> I have watched people like, man, I have been tired by watching people work out. It burns zero calories. And so, no different for us as believers, we must walk out what, what, what we say we believe. To get better at any sport requires training. Professional athletes still train. And Paul, who trained Timothy, tells Timothy, I need you to keep training. You need to train yourself in godliness. We have always said and tried to say consistently in this church that if you have truly repented and believed in Christ, then your life will never be the same again. That is how you know you've met Christ. Do not tell me about a prayer that you prayed. I don't want to, don't tell me about a prayer. Don't tell me about walking an aisle. Tell me about your life right now. We say that. Your life should be 
forever changed. Not perfect, but completely altered. That is the evidence of salvation. And one of the things that changes for a person who's been taken from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of God is that you now have the Holy Spirit residing in your life. And the Holy Spirit pushes you to godliness. There should be a desire deep inside of you for holiness. I recognize the imperfections we have because of the flesh. I recognize falling into sin. I recognize Hebrews 12, all the things that can so easily entangle us. I get that, but at the core of who you are as a believer should be a desire for holiness. And here's why. We serve a holy, holy, holy God who now resides inside of you. And he therefore desires holiness. My favorite verses in the Bible, Philippians 2, 12 through 13, quoting 12, part B, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What? Work out my, you told me last week it was finished. We haven't gotten to verse 13 yet. We'll get there. But verse 12, part B, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's a serious thing. It's a serious thing to be a child of the king. It's a serious thing to be a child of a God who is holy, holy, holy. It's a serious thing to be transferred into the kingdom of God, to be adopted into his family, to be an ambassador of Christ. These are serious and weighty things that should cause us Ponder and look and meditate on that with fear, holy, reverent fear, and even trembling. The greatest thing about heaven, yes, will be Jesus. Let me give you part B to that. No more sin. (laughs) I will never have to worry about what I'm choosing to do, whether it's right or it's wrong. So while here, I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And you're like, well, I am hopeless. Because if I've got to work this out with fear and trembling, listen, I struggle. I'm not going to get that right. And if Timothy, who was trained by the Apostle Paul, is still being told to train in godliness, then what am I going to do? Enter verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So you're called to work it out with fear and trembling. You go, where do I get the strength to do that? I'm glad you asked. God gives it to you. Who's going to work it out? God will. Because He's working everything out. Not for your good pleasure. That's why it's my favorite verse. Because I have to be reminded. I don't know about you. I often think that God's supposed to work out things for my pleasure. Have you ever been there? Like I have told God before, this isn't working out well for me. And the Lord's like, it's not for you. Well, it should be, God. I'll just tell you. He's working everything out for his good pleasure. So God gives the strength through the power of the Holy Spirit to move you to holiness. So let me help you out with something. 
That is why when someone comes to me and they say, I've got a friend and, and he used to go to church and he made a profession of faith when he was 16 years old and he's in his 40s and he's really struggling. He doesn't attend church. He doesn't read his Bible. doesn't care about the things of God. And I believe he's backslidden. I, need, I want you to go talk to him about rededicating his life. No, he is lost. Church does not like to hear this cannot meet the living God of the universe and not be driven to holiness. Mm -hmm. We have lost this in the church today. The mark of salvation is a desire for God. Yes, yes. Yes, we struggle. Yes, there's flesh on. But for the first time in your life, you understand, as Romans 2.4 says, That the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance. If you truly savor God. And if Christ is truly in you, then he will move you to holiness. So when you think about backslidden friends and you pray for them, pray for salvation, not the other one. That always gets me in trouble. I usually end up having to have a meeting or an email after that. Be happy to talk to you. Same rules apply. If I meet you for lunch, we talk about something I preach, you have to buy. <laughs> that's fair. I think that's fair. But we are called to do something with our salvation. You heard it in our elder reading in 2 Peter chapter 3, where Peter tells everybody, because of Christ, because of who you are in Christ, make every effort to add, to add, to add. There's something you go and do with the life you have been called to. Galatians 5 says it this way. Verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, Apostle Paul I say walk by the Spirit. And then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You want to know how not to to, to get tangled up in all the stuff the world calls you to? Here's how. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling by walking by the Spirit. That's what it means to be trained in godliness. To take what God's called you to and to say, I'm going for that. I'm I'm moving that direction. I don't know how I'm going to get there. And suddenly... When there's no wind in your sail, there suddenly is wind, and that's because of the Holy Spirit of God who will move you toward holiness. I wanted to list all the examples in the New Testament of the times that Paul or Peter or other writers would say something about, because of this, go and do this. Because you're a believer, go and do this. Because you're a believer, this is what you should be like. Because if you're a believer, this is what you should leave behind. A constant, constant teaching of because of who you are in Christ, You must now go do or you must let go. I'll just give you a few. I spared you today. (laughs) Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Therefore, if you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Hear the command? Because you're a believer, I'm a believer. Great. Now walk in him. Now go live as he lives. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Ephesians 4.1 I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you 
to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is repeated throughout the Bible. A training for godliness. Because you are a believer, now go live that way. Matthew Henry said it this way. Those who would be godly must train themselves to be godly. It requires a constant exercise. Now you may say, why is this such a big deal? Well, Paul says why it's a big deal. And he makes sure Timothy remembers this. In verse 8, if you don't like the gym, you'll like part of this verse. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Years ago, years ago, I was 18, and I was really skinny. (laughs) And my youth minister at the time, a guy named Dick Stagner, uh, was not exactly skinny. He was a big boy. And we had a common friend who had just got back from uh, the Air Force. He had uh, been in some special operations, and he was a stout, lean, mean machine. And he challenged us one summer to come to the track at Spring Hill and work out with them. And so I was like, I'm skinny. He's going to have problems. <laughs> Dick Stagger and I went to the stadium, and we ran bleachers and ran around. And about 10 minutes into that event, I realized I had made a tremendous error. And we got finished. We both wanted to vomit. And the young man who was training us said, how do y'all feel? Dick Stagner, Dick Stagner quoted this verse. He says, "Want you know that while bodily training is of some value, I was like, thank you, brother. <laughs> bodily training, this physical idea of, of working out, it's got some value, and it does. I'm not advocating for looking like me. I'm not advocating for that. Matt thinks that's a good one. I'm not advocating for that at all. But, Godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You want a stronger marriage? Train yourself for godliness. You want to be a better parent? Train yourself for godliness. That's where it begins. Look at the scripture. I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loves the church. There's my calling. Now I go walk it out. I'm supposed to raise my children in the ways of the Lord and not exasperate them. Welcome to parenthood. Difficult. How do I do that? I go study the Word of God. I train myself for godliness. It has value in this life. How do I make sure my life has an impact? You train for godliness. How am I careful to make sure I don't get entangled in things in this world that I shouldn't be involved in? Train yourself for godliness. And then Paul says, godly training, training for godliness also has value in the life to come. We are called repeatedly, if you'd have been in focus class this morning, you would have heard that we are called constantly to be reminded that we are aliens and strangers here. This is is not home. And yet, 
Because we don't train ourselves for godliness, we find ourselves being training for comfort. For looking with everything in our being. From the time kids are in school, they're told, graduate high school because you'll make more. Graduate from college because then you'll make more. Go get a master's degree because then you'll be broke. No. (laughs) We train our, even our children, get more, earn more, get more comfortable here. And all the while the Holy Spirit is saying, you do understand that this life is short. But there is a life to come. Train yourself for godliness. That is why we take very seriously what we do from the pulpit here. Because we are called to train you for godliness. I am to be trained for godliness. Let me help you out with something. This is not a six-week class. It ends the day you draw your last breath. Until that time, we are to always be training ourselves for godliness. And then Paul says this saying is trustworthy in deserving a full acceptance. Paul wants to emphasize that statement, that teaching that it is trustworthy, and you need to accept it fully. That while bodily training is of some value, godliness training is far superior. How do we practically do that? I'm going to give you some examples for covenant covenant members of our church. And for those who might be visiting, there may be some that you would hear as well. But number one, these are all simple. Here's where you, if you grew up in church, you're going to be like, got it, heard about it, know it. But I have also learned this. Did you know if you eat less and exercise more, you apparently lose weight? (laughs) What? (laughs) Did you know if you run regularly, you supposedly are in better cardiovascular health? What? I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah, Yeah, we all know it, right? How many of you know that you're about to overeat? Like, like you know it. Like, you look at the ninth pizza pizza, and you're like, if I eat that, I'm going to have indigestion. I'm going to be miserable, and I'm going to take medicine. Like, you hear that in your brain, and you're like, but I'm going for it. So, so we, we know lots of things. The American church has been well fed in a lot of ways. I recognize that's changing as of late. But the things that we're going to talk about here are, you're not going to leave here going, I've never, I never heard of number two. So let's just read them. Read and study your Bible. I love it when people say to me, I want to know God better. I want to know the Lord better. Here he is. There's no shortcuts, folks. This is it. It's not the calendar you have over your seat that has a half of a half of a verse and then a bunch of dots. 90% of the time out of context. you got to read and study your Bible. Plug into a local church. Plug into it. Join it. Be a member. Be present. 
No, we're not going to be legalistic about it. But here's what I would tell you. If you know you need to be trained in godliness, then I'd want to be here as often as I could. I hope my kids grow up like I did, where they say, let me tell you something. Not only did we go to all the church services, we go, we went to every other event, and every time we had to set up for church, I want my kids to know they were here all the time. Knowing, listen, knowing that that does not lead to holiness. But it's the beginning of it. Where you hear the word of God. You're taught the word of God. You surround yourself by other people who have a heart for the word of God. In our church, particularly, we have set up a few times to teach you. One is a focus class. On Sunday mornings, last year, we spent a year, a year. Some of y'all might be like, yeah, it was a year. (laughs) Going through the attributes of God. And there were people who came up to me after a year of that class and said, I have never heard those things about God before and I've spent my whole life in church. Mission accomplished. Right now we're working through Hebrews chapter 11. We have some great teachers in there that are teaching us. They rotate out and it has been astounding to hear what faith looks like lived out. You want to be trained in godliness? Plug into a class here. If you are a man in our church, Join the men's group. That's not because we get together, unlike maybe what your experience has been before, where you get together and you have coffee and you have some food and then we laugh and we talk and we talk about sports and then like five minutes before it's supposed to be over, someone opens up the Bible and says something. No, 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 no. We flipped it entirely. I think you have enough conversations about all that stuff. We come in and we study God's Word. And let me tell you, when Matei came to me, we talked about that. We'll be honest. I think Matei will not mind me being honest. We were betting on four. We were like, if we can get four there. I think the first night we had like 20. And I remember Matei going, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Like, we had to prepare. Like, it is wonderful. You said, well, I'm not always able to be there on Tuesday nights. We fixed it. Now we even post video of it. You can watch it after it's happened. Plug in and learn. You can also get on the Facebook page where we give you a tremendous amount of information and readings that you can read and doctrinal issues that you can study. Great articles, great book recommendations. If you're a woman, find Selena. I think Selena's out today, but uh, but you can find Matei because it's his wife and he knows where she is. <laughs> I think. Um, you can get with her and plug into the women's ministry. You can get with Courtney or Robin. Robin Wave. Courtney's in the back. Find them. Say, hey, I want to be involved. I want to plug in. Get involved. They're teaching. We're learning. Join a life group. Which means you come. Novel idea, right? Ours are not perfect. We're still working on them. But come, participate, fellowship, learn. Read some good books. Ask our elders for a recommendation or any of our ministry leaders. We will give you some books that will challenge you. Trust me, you probably read, as I have, enough trash. How many of you have ever found yourself scrolling on Facebook? You're just going to check out something and you've been on it for an hour. <laughs> me and my wife are the only people confessing in this entire <laughs> church right now. My mom raised her hand. Thank you, Mother. <laughs> she felt sorry for me. Uh, we, we, we waste time reading. Feed yourself with something that would challenge you 
and stir your hearts for the gospel. Go to lunch with other godly friends. Instead of gripe sessions or talking about blah, 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 ask them. Like, show up with lunch for a friend in our church or another believer, and the first thing you ask them is like, hey, the reason I asked you to lunch today, what are you learning in God's Word? <laughs> they are going to be a little caught off guard. <laughs> and you're going to know instantly if they're even studying, because they're going to go, ah, oh, oh. And then tell them what you're learning. And then make another lunch with them. And pray, pray, pray. Train yourself for godliness. Just as it's hard to get up at 5 a.m. to go run, it's just as hard to get up and pray. Or pray at night or study. I'm not going to tell you to do this in the morning. It's just difficult. Is it not difficult for us? You know why? Your flesh hates it. It hates it. But we must train ourselves for godliness. And so we're not a legalistic church. But we are a church who believes we've been called to something Amen. and away from other things. And in order to do those things, we must train ourselves for godliness. Amen. If Timothy needed it after training with Paul, you will definitely need it after training with David <laughs> or any of our other leaders. Do so. Simple teaching so hard to go do. That should tell you the value in actually doing it. Imagine what would happen if we became people who were serious every day. Before I studied this, I read Jonathan Edwards' resolutions. <laughs> and I felt like an unbeliever <laughs> when I got done. If you've never read those resolutions, you should go read some of them. A man who desired that every moment he lived was lived for the glory of God. Resolving that he went to bed that night to study the entire day from words and deeds to see whether or not he lived for the glory of God. That's what it means to train yourself for godliness. May we be that kind of church who hears the word of God and then because of the power we have from the Holy Spirit, goes and walks it out. As Keith comes for us to worship, let me pray for us, share with you the gospel presentation. We do it every week. If you were to say to yourself, I don't have a love for God's word, I don't have a love for the people, I don't have, a, I don't have any desire for holiness, I'm in a church my whole life, what does it mean to actually know the gospel? Here's the gospel. You were born into sin because of Adam. No one had to teach you how to sin. You know how to sin. You do it really well all by yourself. And even in your sin, while you were rebelling against the holy God, that holy God loved you. And he loved you so much that he sent his only son to live a life that you could not live, a life without sin. And he took your punishment that you deserved by dying on a cross, he took on your sin, and then he arose from the dead, defeating death. And for those who repent and believe, Christ takes your sin, and you get his righteousness. Such good news. And then you are brought from the kingdom, or the domain of darkness, to the kingdom of God. You're given a new heart, a new life. You have a new father. 
your life will never be the same again. How do I come become a Christian? Do I take your hand or repeat a set of magic words? Do I have to do anything particular? Here's what you do according to all of the Bible. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. And we'll know whether or not that's true or what happens in your life from then on. If you ever want to talk to me or any of our other elders, we always stay behind. We don't have a traditional um, invitation like many churches. Um, that's not because we think we're better. We just think we want to do it a little differently. Uh, but if you ever want to talk to one of us, we always stay behind long after the service is over. We'd love to chat with you or share with you about what it means to become a Christian. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we do love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for it teaching us. Thank you for it challenging us. Lord, I'm particularly thankful that these the letters in the Bible challenge pastors to be reminded that we train ourselves in godliness. And I pray that I would nourish myself on your word long before I deliver it to others for them to be nourished. I thank you for your love, for your patience, for your kindness that you show us as believers. We need strength, Lord. Help us to live out this calling you have called us to. Help us to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to not love this world and to long for home. In your name we pray. Amen.